0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. I wanted to share with you a little bit uh, about hope. We've been talking about community and what community is and uh, perhaps uh, by default, therefore, what community is not. But in the midst of it, I I love uh, the whole discussion of community because we have a fellowship with one another. We have something in common. We're called out of the world uh, by the Lord himself. We're called into fellowship with him. And as a result, we're called into fellowship with one another. And we have an opportunity to walk in that, to grow in that. Uh, none, None of us are ever to be separated from community. Uh, It's what God uses in order to develop us, to disciple us, and uh, really it's what God uses uh, in order to reveal himself through us into the world. And when we begin to walk with the Lord and yield to him and surrender to him and he begins to transform us internally first and foremost, uh, his fruit then begins to be seen through our lives, and his fruit is love. And so we begin to serve one another, we begin to put others first in spite of perhaps our own needs, and all of a sudden the world begins to look at us and recognize that there's something unique, and we are able then to glorify the Lord in the midst of that. We're able to give Him uh, credit for who He truly is. And so we've looked at several things. We've looked at uh, being a community of grace, and I, I think that's one of the most foundational things. None of us deserve to be here. That's always amazing, isn't it? You think about grace, and the fact of the matter is with grace, there's no big eyes. Period. It's all equal at the foot of the cross. Everybody that's here, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, is not because of our works. We can't point to anything that we've done to say, look at me. It's all about Christ. It's all about the Lord. It's about what he's done on our behalf. And so praise the Lord. Uh, Grace is not stagnant. We tend to think of, of grace as something in the past that we experienced in order to enter into this relationship. But grace is not only entering into the relationship, it's walking with the Lord in the midst of the relationship. And it's certainly what God has promised for us in the future. And, and all of it is by grace because God chose to do this. His favor is not earned, his favor is given. It's a gift, and he does it with joy. And so in the midst of life, in the midst of the believer's walk, we have the opportunity of walking with the Lord by grace, and we we learn to walk then by faith, trusting him, learning to walk with him, yielding to him, surrendering to him, uh, being obedient to him. However you want to word it, however you want to phrase it, we begin to walk with the Lord. And so that's another distinctive of a community of believers is, is we're a community of faith. We believe We trust. Uh, We don't trust in one another. We don't trust in the world. We don't trust in the things of the world. We don't trust in our own thinking. We don't trust in our own abilities. We trust in Christ. And we trust in Christ alone. And we go to the Word of God, and God uses His Word in order to develop us. You can't separate the Word of God from faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing is what? By the Word of Christ. And so the more we get into the Word of God, the more God begins to renew our minds, and He begins to lift us up, and we begin to realize that we've been called into something that is way beyond ourselves. We begin to learn to yield to to the Lord, uh, to die to self. We begin to carry that cross daily in the power and the strength of the Lord. Jesus himself and in the midst of life we begin to walk by faith and so God calls us to things we don't understand God puts things in front of us that we're not sure exactly how to deal with and and rarely rarely does the Lord ever give us the plans way ahead it's usually step by step and it's only that we see the next step when we take the step that he's called us to take And as we begin to take that initial step, then the Lord begins to show us what the next step may be, and and we begin to follow him in the midst of that. So we begin to walk as a community of believers called out by God's grace. None of us deserve it, but we begin to walk by faith. We begin to walk persuaded that the Lord is the one leading us, even though it goes against everything that we in our own minds could potentially try to figure out. Usually if you can figure it out, it's not by faith. And with faith, there's no plan B. That's always the hard part. God loves putting us into box canyons. Loves it. Because it's there that we get desperate. And it's there that we go, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord goes, thank you for coming and finally asking me. (laughs) And praise God for it, right? So in the midst of that, we also are a community of love. We're a community of love. Uh, I don't know what you've found on this, but uh, my experience has been that we all tend to like to fix things. Amen? We like to be active. We like to be active. We like to have things to do. And uh, that's not wrong, per se, But just like the church of Ephesus that the Lord warned um, in the book of Revelation when he told John to tell him, he said, You're doing a bunch of great things, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. So we find that in our flesh we are prone to be active. And in our activity, we actually dismiss. We get our eyes off. We forget. We become deceived. We get off track, however you want to word this from what our true purpose is, which is to love the Lord. And if we get our eyes off the Lord and we get our eyes onto the work, then by default what happens is that the work becomes the most important thing. And as a result of that, not only does our relationship with the Lord suffer, but our relationship with one another suffers. And suddenly the work becomes what everybody ought to be doing, and we find ourselves angry at one another that we're not getting the work achieved. And so we find that suddenly if people aren't doing what we think they ought to be doing, then we find that the relationships suffer And we understand that the body of Christ, the community of believers called out of this world, we are to love one another, and it is that love for one another which is produced by Christ himself that is the testimony to the world. The work comes out of that love. The work never produces that love. And that's something that we've always got to be mindful of. Because when the work is the focus... The results are the focus. The fruit becomes the focus. What we all want to see happen becomes the focus, whether it's individually or corporately. When that becomes the focus, then I would suggest that we better be careful because at some point we may find ourselves having taken our eyes off of Christ. As a result, our relationships with one another are diminished, And then as a result, the love that we have as a community is not necessarily seen. And therefore, our testimony to the world becomes diminished. So in the midst of it, lastly, kind of in a final year moment, we are a community of hope. We're a community of hope. Now, I know uh, when you were kids, and some of you still are, right? I see kids around here. Glad you're here this morning. But when I got Christmas presents, do you remember doing this? I I remember making my list. Did you make a list? And my parents would say, "What, what, what do you want for Christmas? And I'd make my list. And I can remember one particular year, you know, I wanted a knife. I mean, I was dying for a knife. And I was the oldest in the family, and my brother was a year younger than I. And, and so I had enjoyed camping and gone with a guy who had been to Vietnam. He was a special force guy, and unfortunately, he passed away years ago. He, was, uh, he had been poisoned with Agent Orange. And when I found that out, it broke my heart. He's just a neat guy. But he, he uh, kind of cultivated a, a relationship with some of the guys, including myself, at church. And he would take us camping, and I loved camping. And so I got all fired up about camping. I wanted all the equipment. You know, I wanted the, the backpack. I wanted all the stuff that goes with it. I wanted the mummy bags. You know, I wanted the stuff in because I wanted to do it the real way. I wanted to do it like this guy did it. You know, he just used a fly tent. Forget the, forget the regular tents, man. He was hardcore. And so I had made my list, you know, and one of those things was I wanted a buck knife. Buck knife. You know what a buck knife is? Come on, y'all, it's cold outside. I know it's not that warm, so you got to be awake a little bit, right? They're cool knives. You know, they're really nice. And I remember wishing and wishing and wishing, hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping. And we get to, we get to Christmas, and, I, man, I got the backpack. I was so pumped. And then my brother opened up a package. And normally, because we were so close in age, that whatever he got, I got. And so he opened up this little box, and, boy, it was a beautiful four-inch blade buck knife. And I, inside, I was thinking, Right? Yeah, baby. I got one too. Man. So we get through all the packages. No buck knife. And I can remember thinking, where's my buck knife? He didn't even ask for one. I did. And he got one and I didn't. To this day, I still think my dad made a mistake. I think he, I think he, got, he got confused or something, you know. But sometimes we look at hope that way. That's how we look at hope. We, we think of it as a wish. We don't think of it as a certainty. We don't think of it as a certainty. We think of it as a wish. We think of it as a Christmas present that we wanted that perhaps we're going to get and then we're disappointed when we don't get it. But that's not hope, folks. Hope is a future fact. Hope is future faith. Hope is what we're looking forward to that we haven't yet received, but we absolutely with certainty understand that we are going to have it. Why? Because God said so. God said so. We know that we have eternal life. Not because of anything that we've done, not because of anything we deserve, but because God said so. And ultimately, when we talk about hope, we're not talking about wanting to get somewhere, We're talking about a person. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so when we talk about hope, when we talk about what we're looking forward to, and we do so with certainty, we do so with an assurance, we do so absolutely knowing with no doubt involved in it at all whatsoever because God said so, then it ought to change our lives. And it ought to change the way we live right now. Because if we know that we're going to heaven and we know that God is working in our lives right now to fit us for heaven, then we ought to be walking in such a way right now that everything about our lives right now is yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ so that as we begin to look forward to what we are going to experience, that we're experiencing the transformation, the transforming power of Christ right now. So this morning as we look at this as a community of hope, let me put it this way. Our future hope shapes how we should walk now and becomes a testimony for others. See, if we say that we believe in heaven and we're going to go there and we're going to be there and we're going to see Jesus face to face and to be transformed like 1 John 3, 1 through 3 talks about and we're going to be made holy even as he is holy. If those things are absolutely true and we truly believe it, then we'll start walking in it. Because what we believe here inside is going to be seen in our activities And when we begin to walk in it, and we begin to walk with the Lord in the midst of that, and we begin to say yes to the Lord in the midst of it, guess what happens? The world begins to see us as a people, as a community of hope. And they begin to ask questions. Why are you doing this? Why is it that you are living this way? Why are you making these kind of decisions? Why aren't you participating in things uh, that we normally participate or that you used to participate in? Why are you going and serving? Why are you going and spreading the gospel? Why are you excited? Where's this joy come from? Where's this love come from? Where is this? And what's going on in your life? And they come to us and guess what? At that moment in time, we have an opportunity to give an account. We have an opportunity to give glory to the Lord, the true identity of who he is, and to praise him for the salvation he's provided for us and offers to each one freely and abundantly. We're a community of hope. And if we truly believe in what God has said, then it ought to change our walk today. So let's look at a bunch of verses on this, okay? And the first four points here, are kind of preparatory in terms of the last point. The first four points are hope in terms of what we look forward to, why we look forward to, and all of them, if we say that we really truly believe in that, ought to change how we walk. They ought to shape us in our walk with the Lord. The first point is the Word of God, Scripture. It's interesting to me because hope, sometimes we think of it as a wish, Really, the truth is, hope is a certainty. Uh, hope is future fact. It's faith that we recognize is going to take place. It's a belief system that we recognize that we're moving towards something that has been established that is true. But the Word of God is actually our hope. It's not experiential stuff. Experiential stuff's great. We experience things, praise the Lord. But the Word of God, is what establishes these things. Look at Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. By the way, I appreciate the uh, guys coming in, everybody, the ladies helping with the the music and and everybody, because there were some people that just couldn't make it, the sound people and everything like that. And uh, some of the people just couldn't make it this morning, and so we weren't able to do some of the things we normally do. But thank you for doing that and being here and helping us. Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, Paul writes this. He says, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, our teaching, so that we can learn, is what he's saying. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scripture, what? We might have hope. The word perseverance is a specific word. It means patience within circumstances. Whatever our circumstances are, that we're patiently waiting upon the Lord in the midst of them. And the encouragement of what? The scripture, the word of God. We might have hope. It says we might have. Why does it say that as if we might not? Well, because it's dependent upon us. Are we going to get into the word of God? Are we going to let the word of God persuade us? Are we going to walk by faith? Are we going to trust God that what he has said is absolutely true and for sure? Because when we begin to trust God and his character, then the scripture, the word of God begins to renew our minds and we are solidified in the reality of what God has promised us. So we can have hope as we get into the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God in order to renew our minds, to transform us, and to give us hope. Verse 5 is an interesting one to me because a lot of people tend to look at verse 4 and they go, oh, well, we're going to persevere. We're going to do this. We're going to accomplish this. And in verse 5 he says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. I love that, don't you? I'm telling you, there are days where I wake up and I don't have much encouragement and I really don't want to persevere. Anybody else? Isn't it priceless to know that God's the one that gives that? That as we yield to the Lord, the Lord is the one who accomplishes that in our lives? And by the way, this is in the context of Romans, right? And I think chapter 12 comes before chapter 15. Did I got my math right on that? I think I do. And what does he say in chapter 12, verses 1 and following? By the mercies of God, do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And we begin to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and perfect and acceptable. Our minds begin to be renewed. There's a presenting of ourselves to the Lord. When does God give this? When we yield our lives to him. He doesn't force it upon us. He gives it. It has to be received. If it's a gift, it has to be received. So the word of God is our hope. Scripture itself begins to shape us and shape the way we think and begins to help us look forward with certainty as to what God has said. It begins to transition and transform our minds. And and as a result, as we're going to see, it begins, therefore, to transform our belief systems, which then are seen by how we walk our activity. Secondly, the resurrection of Christ is spoken of as our hope. Paul's testimony in the midst of persecution is a a great one. Acts chapter 23, verse 6, when Paul's on trial, he says, I'm on trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. Or in Acts 26, verses 6 and following, he says, For this hope, O king, as he's testifying before the king, I am being accused by the Jews. What hope is he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. The resurrection. Now we know the resurrection is a fact. So he's speaking about hope from the pretense that it is factual. It is not just an emotional wish. It's not something we just wish for. It's something that actually has happened. And as a result, because Jesus resurrected from the dead, we too, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, are promised, guaranteed eternal Life to be resurrected with Christ. Or in Acts chapter 28, verse 20, he says, I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. Again, referring to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and following is a beautiful picture of this because he's gone through all these persecutions, all these trials, all these tribulations. And he's talking about how he's been burdened excessively. He says, beyond our strength, we despaired even of life. It sounds hopeless, doesn't it? It sounds hopeless. Indeed, we had the sentence of death in verse 9 within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope. And then he says this, and he will yet. Deliver us. Oh, man. What's Paul talking about? Is he saying, I'm never going to go through persecution again? No, no. This is 2 Corinthians. He wrote this on his second missionary journey. He still was going to prison. He was still going to be martyred. He still had a lot of persecution to go through. What's he talking about? He's talking about the final deliverance. He's talking about what God has promised. And because of the hope of Christ, because of Christ himself... We know that one day we'll be delivered so we can walk by faith. We can walk in hope. Maybe some of you this year have experienced the death of loved ones. You know somebody who has. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul speaks to that. Verses 13 and following says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. And he's talking about believers here who have already passed on, who have died. When the Bible, New Testament in particular, talks about uh, being asleep. It's referring to believers who have died and yet are now with the Lord. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no Wow, what a beautiful picture. We have hope. When a brother or sister in Christ goes to be with the Lord, we don't grieve like the world that doesn't have any hope. We grieve, but we grieve knowing where they are. We grieve trusting in the Lord. We grieve, and we have hope in the midst of that grief. We have a living hope. 1 Peter 1 3, again, all this is because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And yeah, I love that. Why do we have hope? It's because of the resurrection. Pure and simple. It's because of the resurrection. The resurrection is an absolute historical fact. Because we know that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, we know that what he has said is true. Therefore, we can absolutely bank on it. We can trust in him. And we know that our future is secure because it's held in his hands. And we have a living hope. We have a hope right now as we walk because we know that God is with us because he rose again from the dead. Well, thirdly, Christ himself. We don't simply hope in something in the future. More importantly, we hope or we trust in the one who holds the future. Did you catch that? We don't just hope in the future. Well, I hope this happens, and I hope this doesn't happen, and I hope that... No, no, no. We, we hope in the one who holds the future. We don't just look forward because of a promise or even necessarily a place that we're headed, although those are certainly there. Rather, we hope in the person of Jesus himself because of who he is, because of his character, because of what he's done for us. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul is writing to Timothy, He says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus. And then he says this, who is our hope? (laughs) I love that. That is so great. Christ is our hope. It's not just a place. It's not just a promise. It's a person. And Christ is the one who gives us hope. We have hope because of Christ. And as a result of Christ and all that he's done, we can trust that promise. And we recognize that we're headed towards the place that he told us about. But it's because of the Lord. And then later on in chapter 4, verse 10 of 1 Timothy, he says this. It is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. What a beautiful truth. Placed our hope, have fixed our hope on the living God. So Christ himself is our hope. But also we have a promised salvation. Because of who Christ is and because we know that he's absolutely uh, in his character true, we can trust what he has promised. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and following says, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In other words, it's coming. And we know that it's coming because God said it's coming. We don't hope in something that we see. We hope in something that has been promised, that we haven't seen yet. It's coming. And because we know that it's coming, (laughs) we hope in it because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And again, it changes our lives. Galatians 5.5 5 says, for we through the Spirit, and I love that, through the Spirit, it's the Spirit of God who does this within us as we yield to the Lord. This is not our natural way of thinking. We don't just wake up and say, we're going to do this. We're talking about a divinely inspired moment here, a divinely empowered ability from God himself in order to bring us to the truth of who he is and to trust him and to say yes to him and to hope in him. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, the willingness to be persuaded that God is God. We are waiting for the hope of righteousness. The hope of righteousness. And Titus, when Paul was writing to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Or in chapter 2 of Titus in verses 11 and following, he says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Beautiful truths. Realities. We have the word of God that, that gives us hope, comforts us, encourages us, strengthens us, transforms us, renews our minds, teaches us, about who God is, and the Holy Spirit uses the word of God in order to renew our minds so that we might know the Lord, might learn to walk with him and follow him. We have the hope of the resurrection of Christ, the fact that it took place, and as a result, what he's promised to us, we know is certain. We know it's for sure. Christ himself. We're not just looking for a place, and we don't just trust in a promise. We have the person of Christ himself who gives us hope. And we can trust Him. Our promised salvation, what we are looking forward to. That one day, we're going to walk with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. That's amazing. As a result of each and every one of those things, it ought to transform our walk. Because we have hope, because we have a future uh, truth that we're looking forward to. It ought to transform the way we live right now. Romans chapter 5, and I'm not going to read all five verses here verses 1 through 5. But if you take time this week, I would encourage you to go back and, and read these beautiful verses. He's talking about it in verse 2, i just interject there. He says, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. He's talking currently right now for the believer. We stand in the grace of God. And then he says, and in the midst of standing in that grace, what do we do? We exult in hope of the glory of God. What is he saying? He's saying as believers, we have come to know Christ. We have believed in the Lord. We have been transitioned out of darkness into light. And we now stand in this grace. And in the midst of standing in that grace, what are we doing? We are exalting in hope of the true identity of who God really is. So as believers, what, how does hope tran- transform us? We begin to exalt in the glory of God. In other words, in the midst of circumstances, no matter what we go through, no matter what uh, situation you may be faced with, it's been filtered through the hands of God, our loving Heavenly Father. And in the midst of those circumstances and in the midst of those situations, we glorify God because we know where we're headed. He goes on and he talks specifically about these circumstances verses 3 and following, how do these circumstances impact us? They begin to develop us. They develop our character, and they begin to prove our character. And what happens when our character is proven as a result of tribulations and and persevering in the midst of those uh, those tribulations? We have hope. And then he says this in verse 5, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Wow. Whatever we face, no matter what it is, no matter what we go through, God is using it in order to develop us. Whatever tribulations, whatever circumstances that are difficult, he begins to prove our character and we have hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts because we've experienced God and in the midst of those difficulties we experience God and we get to rejoice in the very tribulations that look like they were going to take us out but God is using in order to change us and transform us and keep our eyes fixed upon him and he begins to mold us and form us and fit us for what he's promised to us that we're headed for what a beautiful reality Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know, that you will understand what is the hope of his calling. Now, who's he writing? He's writing to believers. In the midst of the grace that we stand, we exult in the glory of, of God. We begin to reflect the true identity of who he is in and through us. And Paul's praying for believers that in the midst of our lives right now, That we would know what is the hope, the assurance, the certainty of his calling upon our lives. In other words, that we would understand what we're headed for, that God has promised to us, and that it would change the way we live right now. Colossians 1, verses 3 and following, he says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. And then this, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Did you catch that? We've heard of your faith, and we've heard the love that you have for all the saints. Why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You understand where you're headed, and as a result, you're willing to be persuaded today. And you're willing to allow the Lord to work in and through you in loving others today. We know where we're headed, and it changes the way we live today. Colossians 1.27, this whole passage is one of my favorite passages. But briefly, he says, To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And he explains this mystery. He explains the mystery of the salvation that God has promised to us. He says, Which is Christ in you. What? The hope of glory. Christ coming to live within you. Christ saving you. The hope of glory. What? So do we define hope there as a wish? Christ has come to live within me, and I hope that I can make it in. No, no. Because of who God is and because of what he's done for me, because he now lives within me, he's given to me the Spirit of God as a down payment, as a pledge on the inheritance that he's promised to me. When I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I am saved and he comes to live within me and the Holy Spirit comes to live within me, then I know for sure that I'm going to experience Heaven and God forever. Praise the Lord. That's a hope, friends, that changes the way we live right now, or it certainly should. First Peter 3.15, fascinating verse here. He says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you, to give an account for the hope that is in you. And he clarifies do it with gentleness and reverence. Don't pound them with it. You stupid idiots, don't you understand that Christ died on the cross to save you? And why in the world haven't you believed that yet? No, it's, that's not what he means. When they come to you because they see that what you believe is being translated in the way that you walk, and they say, what, what's the deal? Why are you walking this way? Why are you walking as though you know where you're headed and you're preparing for it? Why is it that you're yielded to the Lord right now? Why is it that there's joy and love and peace and patience and all the other things that God himself, through the Spirit of God, produces in and through our lives, which is just characteristic of love? How does that happen in your life? What is this hope that you've got? He says, be ready to give an account. Be ready. Be ready. What do you do? You say, oh, it's, it's because of me. I do all these things. No, what do we do? What's the defense? We say, oh, it's because of the Lord. Praise God for what he's able to do in my life. You wouldn't have wanted to know me before I came to be known by Christ. But now that I'm known by Christ, let me tell you about my Lord. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. You know, I, I, God's doing such a work in this place. I wanted to share with you just a few thoughts on some of the missions things. Because when we talk about hope, and we talk about giving an account, we talk about uh, spreading the gospel, we, we talk about sharing the gospel, I think it's important that as a church body, we participate with the Lord in that. And it's not going to look the same in everybody's lives. Not everybody's called to Burma, okay? It's okay, relax, you know, I get it. I got seven shots uh, when I went the one time. And I want to tell you something. The stupid Band-Aids hurt worse than the shots. Uh, they, were, they were worth their weight in gold. Those Band-Aids worked. Not everybody's called to the same thing. Jerusalem through uttermost. We're called to participate with the Lord in whatever he has for us. The question is, do we know? Are we walking with the Lord in such a way that we're serious about where we're headed and we trust the Lord and we we believe that God has said that we're going to be with him in heaven for eternity and therefore we are saying, Lord, here we are. Use us in whatever way that you choose right now because what we believe about our future ought to shape the way we walk right now. And I think part of that comes out in the way we serve one another, the way we love one another, the way we're a community, and the way we fellowship with the Lord and one another certainly begins to be seen in the way that we have a heart for those people that are lost. If that's not there, and in our flesh it never will be, if that's not there, we need to make sure we go back to the source And we need to go back to the Lord because only the Lord can produce within us a genuine love for people. Only the Lord can do that. But I I tell you, I'm so thankful. Is that a good word? I, I really am. I'm thankful for what I see God doing in our midst when it comes to missions Jerusalem through uttermost. Let me just give you a few snapshot thoughts. Locally, locally, right now, our church is supporting 19 ministry partners, just locally. And that's, that's an awesome thing. When you begin, you, I, I begin to find out what God's doing through each and every one of you, and I see how God's using you. And it, it can be from Joy Junction to Albuquerque Rescue Mission to the UNM campus uh, in multiple different ways there. I, I mean, I could go through this list, but 19 different ministry areas And it's not just checks that we're writing. It's people participating in the midst of it. And I'm thankful for that. There's 20 international ministry partners, and 13 of those are actually families, people, not just an organization. When we talk about the organizations, they're amazing. We're talking about Precept and Eurasia and what God's doing through them. We talk about ICM. We talk about uh, the IMB, the International Mission Board, Southern Baptist Mission Board. We talk about AMG ministries. I, I love those ministries and I love their heart to get the gospel into the world to share hope because people need to hear hope. They need to hear it. They need to see it. They need to hear it. This last year, this, this year, 15 I, I'm so grateful because one of the things we really talked about is taking our special missions money and investing into our own people because some of these international trips are pretty expensive. The shots alone are expensive. So how can we come alongside and help our people to be invested into taking the gospel and spreading the gospel? Do you realize that we gave over $64,000 in order for our people to participate in missions this year? Which was fantastic. Yeah, amen. It was really cool. We had over $84,000 of of one-time gifts to meet pressing needs. And when we talk about our ministry partners you know, it's over, it's over $250,000 that we give towards our ministry partners. I could go on and on about this. The focus is not to be on the money. It's not to be on how great we are. It has nothing to do with it, folks. And if that's what it becomes about, God help us, seriously. But it is encouraging to know that God is at work. And I want you to, to be encouraged to know That the Lord is at work through this body of believers in phenomenal ways. Ways that we'll never be able to measure this side of heaven. Because the work that God does in and through us is a work that he alone is able to measure. And only when we get to heaven will we be able to see the impact of it. Mission trips. We've had uh, San Francisco. Jason took a team over there. And 17 people go on that. Internationally. Uh, We've had 55 different people participate in these trips. We've been to Uganda, right? ICM vision trip to Russia, Ukraine, and Moldova. and looking forward to how God's going to increase that in terms of just uh, ICM and our partnership with them and Moldova in particular. Man, it's so fun to watch God work and open doors and just to walk through those doors having no clue what's on the other side. And all of a sudden you get on the other side and you go, oh, that's why God brought us here. It's amazing to watch. Romania. You realize this year at the Romania trip that the students went on, it's the fourth trip that they've taken. This year they had 110 kids profess Christ. And over the last four years, it's well over 300 kids that have professed Christ through that one mission trip each year through the students to Romania. Praise God for that. Right? When you talk about Uganda and what God's done there, Boy, I I tell you, I'm so grateful for the people that go there. And uh, 450 people treated medically. 1,200 prison inmates uh, were shared the gospel with. And who knows? Again, the gospel doesn't return void. It's the hope of the glory of Christ. And when you begin to to spread that seed as the Lord leads and directs, God will use it in the hearts of those people. But 18, we know, came to Christ in that. Over 1,000 school students taught about purity and taught the gospel. The pastor's conference, ministered to pastors. Do you realize how exponential that is when these pastors come and you have 110 pastors come to a pastor's conference? What the exponential impact of that is for every area that those pastors represent, the churches, the people that they go to, it's phenomenal. It's really immeasurable in many ways. Forty came to Christ there. They were able to share the gospel in schools and go on home visits Recently, Jimmy was in Thailand. Where's Jimmy? He came today. I saw you pull up today and I thought, Jimmy's been all over the world, man. This snow ain't nothing. (laughs) That's right. And Fran. (laughs) Went to Thailand, built cabinets. Vietnam. Uh, Ken got fired up. I think God fired him up about missions and it's been neat to watch that. And took a trip to Vietnam just to experience ICM even more. Burma. I know my son's been there and Twice. We're able to minister to the children and the adults and you know the kids, the thirty-five kids, think about this. The Palong people. And when we get over there, we adopted the Palong people. Thirty-five of these kids study four hours a day for the whole week. Inductively, folks. Oh, <laughs> that'll challenge you a little bit. These kids did this. Jonathan and Eric, Pastor Eric. Our children's pastor, children and family pastor helped with that. And we had Barb go and help with the ladies and some of the team uh, ministering to some of the ladies. One of the great stories out of this was last year one of the ladies came and was weeping about how her husband would beat her. And that when she would go home, because she had come to the conference that we had, small conference with a, with a very select group of people who are leaders within their tribes, this lady had come, had a little baby, was scared to death to go back with her husband. Do you realize this year her husband came with her? Because he saw the change in her as a result of what God did in him through that. It's phenomenal. Folks, that's hope. That's hope. We talk about hope. That's Christ. We talk about what Christ has done for us. We talk about sharing the gospel and spreading the gospel. And it starts with our lives. It starts with what we believe about where we're headed and how that changes how we act and live the decisions we make right now, today. And that's That's essential. Because people see that. They recognize that. Just a few other thoughts. Locally, this one blew me away. We had over 578 Hoffentown Church members involved in missions and outreach projects. Out of that, almost 460 people were local. Local. I love that. You talk about making an impact. (laughs) The Lord started with 12. Isn't that cool? I thought, man, if we had 12 here today, I was going to tell you that. It's all good. Hey, God started with 12. We can change the world right here, 12 of us, you know. Why? Because Christ lives in us. And Christ is victorious in everything that he does. When we start following the Lord, and folks, when we start truly believing in what God has called us to, what we know with certainty is where we're headed, and it begins to impact the way we live right now. It begins to transform our lives right now. We begin to to discern what's of God and what's not. And we begin to recognize what arguments are worth having and what arguments aren't. And we begin to realize what is truly... The purpose of why we do what we do. And it is about living out the gospel. It is about the Lord first. And it is about what he has called us to talk about with others. Secondly, it's called preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. It's called the great commission that every one of us are called to. And why? It's because we have a hope. We have a certainty. We know for sure what God has called us to. And it impacts everything. Or it certainly should I'll tell you friends we've got some amazing days ahead of us and this next year as we walk through the bible and the the preaching of the bible and in our k groups we we have a little bit of even a deeper moment in terms of some of the the thematic content of that oh I can't wait to see what God does in and through this I've had people come to me and, and they're like, oh, it's, it's overwhelming, the Bible and, and teaching. I said, you know what? That's why we're going to do this. We want the common threads. We want the big picture. The fancy word is we want the meta-narrative, right? We want the big picture story of what God has done for us, starting with creation, into Israel, into the church, even into the end times. And what is God going to do next year? You know what? We don't know. And I sure as all get out don't want to put God in a box and tell him what he's supposed to do. I wanna step back and say, Lord, whatever you choose to do is good because I know you know best, you know best. But my prayer is that as a community of grace, as a community of faith, as a community of love and as a community of hope that we look forward to what God has understanding that God holds it in his hands and that we can trust him in every sense of that word because God is faithful God is good. And we've got a message of light that puts out darkness every time. And the question is, do we really believe? Do we really have hope from a biblical perspective that transforms and changes our lives today? And are we going to live it out? So as we face a new year, boy, I want to wish you a blessed new year. A happy one, yes. Yes. But I hope it's not all based on circumstances. I hope it's blessed because you're experiencing God in the midst of it. And in the midst of it, as a church body, as we walk with the Lord and what he has for us, that day by day, we just trust the Lord. We get to know him more. Step by step, we get into the word, have our lives and our minds renewed and transformed and changed so that God through us begins to reveal himself in a priceless way. And that when people do come to us and say, what is this hope that you've got? That we're able to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to testify about you. And friend, let me tell you about my Jesus, because he's my hope. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours.